Welcome to Thrive HR, a podcast by Thrive Pass. In this show, we sit down with industry leaders to explore the world of HR and everything it has to offer. I'm your host, Andrea Steptola. We are the guides helping our clients through the ups and downs, navigating through the changing employment landscape. And the most important thing is a product manager is to listen. On today's episode of Thrive HR, Andreas is joined by Jessica Cody, VP of Product Management at Trinet. They talk about the intersection of HR and technology, from analytics informing strategic decision-making, product roadmaps, and hiring in the digital age. Jessica, good morning and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, so let's maybe get started with, with, with your background, your career path, and, and how you ended up at Trinet. Sure. So I've spent the last you know 20 plus years, I'm aging myself with that, really focused on you know the human side of the employee and employer relationship. So I began my career journey focused in employee benefits administration. You know, that that first year actually on the phones taking calls from employees in their most valuable moments. So things like new employees, maybe fresh out of school coming in and, you know, what benefits do I elect? You know, should I enroll in a 401k? Maybe parents calling in from the hospital, they just had a baby, even grieving spouses or, or parents because they just lost a loved one. And I ended that first year right in line with the attacks on September 11th and kind of the rush of phone calls that came with that. And it really struck with me when I was you know, thinking about my career journey these were real people, real families, real emotions. And it was, it was humbling for me. So as my career progressed, I've had, you know, this incredible opportunity to take that with me. And I've, I've worked with and learned from some of the largest human capital management institutions. So Fidelity Investments and ADP, and now Trinet. And I've held various roles, you know, leading product management, leading product strategy, from benefits to talent, and now with Trinet, that that full HR ecosystem. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see how how your early experience made you reflect on what you're passionate about, right, and where where you want to make an impact. So, talking about impact, right? What what is at Trinet now? What what exactly is your role? What 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 does roll up to you in terms of your responsibility? Sure. So my current role at Trinet is I am the vice president of product management for our HR ecosystem and our technology platform. And what that means is my team is looking at all those foundational elements to support our clients and their employees. So from omni-channel perspective, interacting with our portal on our mobile and chat and accessing knowledge to really empower self-service activities, core HR administration and, and holistic talent. So really looking at the employee and employer lifecycle end-to-end and all of those things that that might make changes. So everything from recruiting and onboarding, engaging and nurturing relationships, performance management, growing your workforce through learning, and really supporting employees through employment events and personal events like leads. We support within my team analytics and insights. So really going beyond just reporting and looking at how do we really empower our clients and their employees with insights and benchmarks so they can make informed decisions. We have vendor relationship management. So really looking for those opportunities that we can just expand beyond our core value, offering complementary solutions through strategic partners. And then finally, risk mitigations, also encompassing security. So really protecting that confidentiality and integrity of our customer and their employees. So you mentioned the 
the life cycle of the employee. I want to go back to that in a minute, but you mentioned something that that this is quite interesting to me. Analytics falls under your umbrella, right? Yeah. And maybe describe to us a little bit more what that means specifically and, and how that has evolved. If you have a couple of examples, maybe where analytics specifically now help your clients to make better decisions, that would be interesting. Sure. So when we think about analytics and insights, like everything starts with data and we have an incredible volume of data within our own client database. We have, you know, tens of thousands of clients, hundreds of thousands of their employees and, and having that data of, you know, how you pay, how you hire, you know, all of those trends really, really powerful for our, our clients. So initially our focus was really on our clients giving them access to that data through reporting and through standard reports. And it, that's kind of, you know, everybody does that. That's table stakes. But then how do you take that a step further? How do you, that data means something. And it, it kind of goes back to the, why do I care, right? Why are you showing me this? Why should I care? So bringing in benchmarks, bringing in insights, bringing in industry data. We recently partnered with salary.com because they have like this incredible universe of data at their fingertips to help employers, you know, when they're making a job offer, when they're looking at promotions, you know, what should I pay this employee in this location for this role with this experience? And, and what are my competitors doing? So really bringing in those, those key data elements from our own bench strength of data, but then also going to the experts in the industry to bring in the, that complementary data and analytics to really help our clients. So we're really looking at how do we then take it to the next level? That's really where we want to take analytics. So that's that's our next journey. Yeah, and from from my perspective, I mean that that's what every CEO or the leadership teams of any company, right, is is, is hungry for. How can I? understand better, you know, quantify the culture of my company, right? Why are people coming on board? Why are people leaving? So I'm sure as you can provide more meaningful data there, that that's really now strategic assets for, for your clients. Absolutely. And even, even some of the things that are the most basic, right? Reminding you that, hey, in February, it's these people's birthday that are on your team. <laughs> you know, those very simple, basic elements that with a largely remote workforce, you might not think about, but, but can spark those personal connections. Those are all different ways where we can use the data that we have to really bring that humanity back. So Jessica, I want to bring our conversation back to what you mentioned in regards to the full scope of yeah, the life cycle of the client, right? Anything from recruiting, onboarding, servicing on, on the benefit sites and full, full spectrum. So I'm sure that, you know, you on a daily basis get a million different feature requests and yeah, we should go here from a from a strategic roadmap perspective. How do you define the, the, the product roadmap with, with your team? And how do you ensure that all the different stakeholders in your ecosystem are heard during that process? Yeah, absolutely. So roadmaps are, I don't want to say they're point in time, right? I, I really think that you need to take a step back and look at product vision. It all starts with your product vision. Who do you want to be? What are you looking to accomplish long-term? And then your roadmap is just that. It's, it's the steps. It's the piece parts to help you achieve that vision. 
but a product roadmap, it's living, right? It's, it's growing and it's evolving, you know, with the changes in the market or the feedback from our clients. So when I think of product management and my team, we are the guides helping our clients through the ups and downs, navigating through, you know, the, the changing employment landscape. And the most important thing is a product manager is to listen, right? We should always be students. We should always be observers, seeing the trends and reacting accordingly. We involve our stakeholders, internal and external, in all of those conversations. We host listening posts with our clients to really hear from them, you know, what's keeping them up at night? You know, what's top of mind for them? Yes, we share with them where we're going and we get their feedback and that's fantastic, but I want to know the things that that they're thinking about when they first wake up in the morning and they're thinking about when they first go to bed at night. And we want to talk to our colleagues. So we talk to our colleagues in sales and service and our different internal roles that have those firsthand day-to-day interactions with our clients and prospects so that we can always have that pulse of what are our clients experiencing. And it may not be specific to our product. It may not have a one-to-one relationship with something that we're building or that we have, but if it can spark that idea to, to get you curious, to get you thinking about, you know, oh, this is what their problem is. Maybe we can do something over here that would that would help them with that. So you, you mentioned it all starts with the product vision. And I assume that that's kind of like, maybe evolving over time, but it's really more of a constant, right? From there, how do you break down the the product roadmap into a cadence? Is it for, for Trident, is this like, you know, you define yearly and then break it down to quarters? Or how does it work on a practical basis? Yeah, so we are agile as are most development teams, right? But agile doesn't mean you're flying by the seat of your pants. You still have to plan for resources. You still have to have a set of of items that you're going to work on quarter by quarter. So we really do, from a vision perspective, we're looking out three to five years, but from a roadmap perspective, we're looking at the next 12 months, right? What are we looking to accomplish in that time period? And we do segment it quarter by quarter because we are agile. Doesn't mean that you have to wait till the end of the quarter to to get something. If something, you know, if there's something hot that we need to get out or we want to get into the hands of our clients because we think it's really going to benefit them. But we do plan typically quarter by quarter more from a resourcing perspective, we want to make sure that we have the right resources to be able to work on the different items that, that we have in play. And you mentioned that getting feedback is, it seems like it's a very holistic process, including sales and, 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 and various groups. From a client perspective, how do you do that at scale, right? You, you mentioned that, you know, there's client, client feedback, right? Like, how do you do that at scale? How do you collect the data and then, yeah, draw meaningful conclusions out of that? So there's a few different avenues that we take. We do, you know, a, a client survey. We do it a couple of times a year that goes out to all of our clients, you know, to, to hear what's top of mind for them and to understand across the board from a service and technology perspective, how we're doing, how they're feeling, where we can improve, where we can't. So that is an incredible source of data because again, it's coming from thousands of clients. On a more frequent basis, we're having client roundtables. So we have client roundtables. We're doing it about quarterly where we are, we're hosting by client size, by client vertical to get those different perspectives. But firsthand from our clients so that we can we can talk to them, we can see their reactions, we can feel their reactions. We can share with them, hey, you know, here's something we're working on and get their reactions back, but also have that very topical, you know, what's going on in your world, what's valuable to you. 
especially in the SMB space, it's really important for us to be able to see our clients buy the different sizes because there can be just significant differences if you have 20 employees versus 200. So we want to really understand the pulse of our clients across sizes as well as across verticals. So it's really a combination of yeah, quantifiable surveys and then these, these roundtables. It's a very interesting concept. Is that typically done in person at, at a dinner table or how, how do you facilitate that typically? Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world before having everyone get together would have been ideal, right? And, and building those relationships. We are in a different world now. So having it remote, one, opens it up to so many more clients than would have been able to participate before that may have been constrained by budget or just timing. So we do host these virtually. They are, you know, in video so we can still see each other's reactions and, and have that, that relationship building. But we do, we, we tend to keep the individual sessions, you know, between six and eight clients just so that everyone has a chance to participate. You can hear the different opinions and so everyone feels heard. And then with, with these roundtables that you're hosting, what has been over the last maybe 12 to 18 months, what, what are the requests you're getting? What are the things, the features and, and tools that everybody's asking about? So I, not surprisingly, probably the biggest area that you hear about is talent, right? And, and all the flavors of it, finding talent, keeping talent, upskilling talent, people matter, right? Their, their satisfaction at work matters. We all hear about the great resignation. For SMBs in particular, talent's critical, right? Every single employee counts. If you only have 25 employees, if, if you're that SMB and you lose one or two team members, that can have just a significant impact. impact on so SMBs, they're already competing with large employers and corporations and the benefits packages that come with those. And it's one of the reasons, you know, the value of coming to a PEO to, to have that ability to scale. And now they really want to be able to invest in their talents. And it's just becoming a bigger challenge for them on their own. And, and then at Trinet, you know, you mentioned partners, right? I'm, I'm sure as, as you look at these decisions, right? Like we got to invest into, you know, recruiting the best talent, what, what technology can help you. How do you make a decision of when to build technology in-house versus to partner with somebody that, that's maybe best in class in, in that specific vertical? So I really, I feel like it all comes down to the individual's experiences, the client's experiences and their employees' experience. If this is an experience that they're going to have regularly, that they're, they're going to be doing all the time, right? We want to have that as part of our core solution. We want to mm -hmm. have it seamless and easy and, and make sense. If it is something that you're going to do less frequently or something where there is a vendor where partnering with them actually is going to increase your value. It's, you know, they might be best in class. They might be the expert in an area. Those are the times where partnering really makes a lot of sense. Right now, things are moving very quickly in the market. There, there's new trends and new technology. And if you try to be everyone to everything, I'm sorry, to everyone, you're, you're sort of smearing yourself like peanut butter. We want to be really good at our core competencies, really uh -huh. good from a service and a technology perspective, and then find those partners that complement us, that complement our vision and our values. You know, we're really focused on bringing that additional value to our clients. So when we look for a partner, 
We're looking for those that they share our values. They support our vision of customer service end-to-end. -end. They've got great reputation in the market. They offer exceptional service, right? Because as a PEO, service is the top of mind for us. We want to make sure they have solid business viability because, you know, these partners are a recommendation of exceptional service for us. We're, we're staking our names on them. So we want to make sure that they're viable, they're offering a great cost model, and they're really providing additional value to our clients. So it should be seamless, it should be easy, it should be secure. It should be something they don't even have to think about. So it seems like there's a very yeah, framework maybe in place in terms of making these decisions, right? Whether to build or to, to partner, and then even to evaluate these, these kind of partnerships. So th thanks for sharing that. One of the things that, that you mentioned in terms of picking the right partner, you mentioned core values. And I assume the same happens on the employee side, right? As you are mentioning, like, you know, small and medium-sized companies, you know, sometimes can struggle, right, to attract and retain the best talent. Sometimes you can't compete. How do the core values play a role in the recruiting process? Well, what have you seen there? Yeah. So this is really where I, I feel like a lot of companies maybe miss the mark, right? We're really looking at connecting humanity with technology. Recruiting is a very people-focused activity. You're building relationships. You're reaching out. You're getting to know each other. You're building trust. And no amount of artificial intelligence or algorithms or any of those things are going to like build your team for you. It can, it can help you find candidates. It can help you match skills and education and experience things on a resume. But it's not really going to help you find people that have a fit with your team, have a fit from a personality perspective. The technology alone is just not, it's not going to seal the deal for you. It's a tool to really amplify human interactions. So interviews is a great example, right? You need a strong recruiting process enabled by technology so you can meet your candidates where they are. You know, COVID's really opened up this use of technology. You know, we're, we're using technology right now and it's made avenues like video conversations very common. So before expectations for people to be in person, right? Candidates maybe struggled if they were, you know, the one in a hundred that had a video interview, but now you can reach candidates globally, right? From their living rooms, anytime, any place, they don't have to invest the time and the expense. And it's really opening up talent pools. Cultural fit, on the other hand, that can be hard to gauge. That's, that's truly human interaction. So when you're looking at the, the candidate, other than, you know, how did you get along in, in the interview? How do you think they're going to fit in? That, that can really be difficult. And it really does come down to, to the idea of shared values. Yeah, it's, you know, to share some from, from, from my perspective at ThrivePass, ab absolutely the, the core values, we, we try to be like very, you know, open about that, right? What what we stand for. And then also that, that transparency in the interview process, like who we are, where, where we're going and outlining the culture for the candidates because like this is not the, the right fit for everybody. Right. And yeah, I think as, as, as you can be upfront and transparent in the interview process, it's just like the best for both parties, right? That, that you have, you know, less and less surprises. So, so we, we, we talked about, you know, 
the the labor market being you know, pretty tough these days, right? And you could almost compare the labor market getting new talent into a sales process, right? Where you have kind of like a, a funnel, so to speak, right? And how do you get more leads or maybe candidates on top of the funnel, right? Who know about the company, who will apply. You are out there in the market, you see what a lot of companies are doing. What are some of, of the best practices that you saw see in the market in terms of getting more applicants, getting more yeah, applicants on top of the funnel. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're, we're all consumers, right? Potential employees have these expectations when they go into that, that experience. So candidates want to have great experiences from the time that they're exploring a role all the way through onboarding, right? So like any good product, you want to have a great presence. Your career site or your homepage should really highlight who you are. You know, what are your values? How do you value your employees and the community, right? Are you giving back? Are you promoting inclusion? Like a good salesperson, you need to be able to meet those candidates where they are. You know, share your open positions on social channels, on job boards, on those online locations that's really targeting your industry, where those employees would be. So a, a good example is probably like, I wouldn't go to an online car forum to look for a cookie recipe, right? But there's a really good chance I might go and look at runner's world if I'm, you know, looking for sneakers. You really want to be able to target your candidates where they are. You want to keep them engaged, right? You want to engage them and keep them coming back. Candidates, they want to feel valued. We live in a time where everything is instant, right? You've got same day delivery, you've got instant text messages, cell phones, you can get anybody 24 hours a day. So when you're interviewing and then your candidate is waiting a week for you to respond back to them, it's not going to cut it anymore. It's not acceptable. You know, and we are, we're in a consumer world. Experience need to be easy. They've got to be fast. They've got to be mobile friendly. I don't know about you, but like I have clicked out of so many online purchases because they didn't take PayPal. If I have to pull out of my wallet, a credit card and put in data, I might not do it. Right. So imagine you're a candidate and you're on your cell phone and, and you find a great job and you go to apply and it pops up this multi-page application. You know, can you remember your last employer's address or, you know, all of your information on your education and you're doing it with your thumb? You know, I would much rather have something where I can upload my resume from Google Docs, have it auto parse in seconds, easy peasy, and off I go. You know, a really great consumer experience that I don't have to think about. So if I had to give advice to employers, like, make it easy, meet them where they are. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned this perspective, the, the consumer perspective, right? That the candidate is really, really consumer here. And, you know, what you mentioned about timelines of getting back to them. And I'm I'm sure that that's where technology can help, right? Where the right applicants tracking system, right, can can, can help HR to stay organized, right, and on all these things. The other thing that you mentioned was at the beginning, almost more about marketing, Right. And uh, it seems that marketing might have a dual function now. One, the, the traditional, hey, let's get the brand out there from a, from a sales perspective, right? So that like our, our buyers, you know, hear about us and whatnot. But then now as well, more holistically, how can the brand, the branding help to, you know, for the right applicants to, to find the co uh, corporations. Yeah, absolutely. In, in the market today, in the environment that we're in, you know, if you think of something like core value, it, it's really hard to fake it, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're consumers. We go and read a hundred reviews before we buy a toaster on Amazon. So 
in our, our digital age, I can go out and learn a heck of a lot about an employer. You know, I can go on Indeed and Glassdoors. We'd love to hear what other people thought and what other people firsthand experienced. So those, those reviews can be really damaging of past employees, you know, even just past candidates that didn't have a great experience. So this is where that whole employee-employer relationship is just foundational, right? Because employees are really searching for that sense of community, the shared values, the, the benefit of an SMB, you know, one of the biggest selling points is that you matter. You're not a number, you're not, you know, one in a thousand. And as we think about distributed workforces, right, you want to feel that sense of connection. So having that strong culture internally, that sense of well-being, focusing on employees and their whole self, offering meaningful engagements, networking and learning opportunities. These are all areas that, yes, you can put it on your career site. Yes, your marketing team can go and put it out there. But the word of mouth of your employees and your candidates will take you 10 times further than anything you could possibly put on your website. All of that certainly resonates. You mentioned the importance of online reviews, right? Whether it's Glassdoor or whatever form, you know, people are looking at, like, you know, that, that's certainly one way for an applicant or potential client to learn about the, the organization. And, and, and larger companies, obviously, they have entire departments and whatnot that, that, that can monitor and manage that for, for, tradition traditionally like smaller companies right like what have you seen being successful there does that live like in hr in marketing what are your tangible recommendations to essentially integrate that into an organization so a lot of small employers don't have necessarily marketing departments or it's a it's a department of one right mm -hmm. same thing they might not have big HR departments. It might be a, a department of one or two or, you know, five if they're a, a bigger SMB. I think it, it's less a matter of can I go and create a, an incredible career page and more a matter of am I effectively communicating who we are, who we are and what's important to us. And whomever it is in, in your organization that's doing that, being able to bring in, you know, quotes from your clients quotes from your employees, that that human element into the conversation, it, it's critical. So I don't want to say who specifically that role belongs to because for SMBs, you know, we all wear many hats, but it is, it, it's really important to, to get out there and, and have your brand recognized, right? And share it maybe in some of those non-conventional places, right? Because that's where your, your candidates may be. Yeah, and to, to your point, that's probably not one right answer, right? And every organization, you know, probably needs to be a little bit creative about it. But I think the important point is to have a focus on it, right? Because the, certainly the leading indicator for the future success of the organization. So I'm 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 curious to know, Jessica, from your perspective as a leader in the industry, as an innovator, where are you getting your inspirations from? You mentioned the the, the client discussions, right? You structure that, a few other things, but like are there certain conferences, book, podcasts, anything that, that you can recommend to our audience? So I, I am probably a human capital management geek. I read everything I can get my hands on. I sign up for Every newsletter I think is interesting, even if it's not specific to my industry. Even if I only get to read 20% of them, 
I love to hear the different perspectives and the different things that are going on because you never know what might spark something. I still love physical prints. So like I've got Entrepreneur Magazine, HR Magazine, PEO mm-hmm. Insider sitting on my desk. I am a, a student of PEO, still learning, you know, the industry and, and everything that, that's changing there. I do like conferences. So Sherm, HR yeah. Tech, those are great ones that I recommend uh, people go to. You can learn so much about what's going on in the industry and also the, the leaders in the different spaces and learn from them. I do love reading analyst blogs. So Nelson Hall, Everest, I think those are fantastic. Those are some of the, the best conversations that I've had about what's going on in the industry have been with some of those analysts. I think podcasts can be tough, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of like listening to Audible. So many different elements of you know personalities and topics and even the sound of the presenter's voice. So obviously your listeners are listening to your podcast. But there are some others that are interesting out there. You know, transform your workplace, drive through HRs is a good one. There's a lot of different ones out there. So I just recommend folks be curious and be open because you may read something or subscribe to something that you know, something might be interesting, but you might not think it's relevant and you'll find so much inspiration in all of those different venues. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned conferences as, as one of the avenues. I, I personally think that they will become more important, right? We see that a lot of maybe traditional sales meetings or the interview process moves to digital space, right? The conference can be an opportunity to meet, you know, really a lot of multipliers, a lot of different people at the same time after the pandemic. The great thing with conferences is all of the groups, right? There's so many networking opportunities, either from your location or for your industry or, you know, all the, there's so many little networking opportunities in there and they're really valuable. Again, you know, 20 plus years of going to the, and seeing the same people and, and seeing, you know, where they've moved in the industry and, and what they've done. It's a great opportunity to network in the future for, for people that you may partner with or, you know, people that may work for you someday. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. So, so you mentioned networking here as, as a keyword. What, what's the best way for our listeners if they want to, you know, dive into one of the topics with you? What, what's the best way to connect? Yeah. So I, I would actually say the easiest way is probably LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do check LinkedIn. I'm, I'm on there very frequently. I love to read the articles and things that people post. So again, I'm, I'm a total geek of human capital management, kind of what's going on. But absolutely reach out to me on LinkedIn. Always open to a conversation and always open if you have recommendations for inspiration. So if there's a a podcast or a newsletter or something that you've signed up for, I'd love to know. Awesome. Well, so LinkedIn is is the best avenue there. And Jessica, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for for sharing all the, the insights. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. This podcast is sponsored by ThrivePass, a trusted HR partner for innovative benefits technology. From lifestyle spending accounts to pre-tax to COBRA administration, ThrivePass has you covered. We personalize benefits. You thrive as the employer of choice. More at thrivepass.com.